This is the Fantasy Baseball Show, and here's your positional preview for 2021. My top-ranked first baseman is Freddie Freeman. Freeman has one of the safest profiles in all of baseball. My number two first baseman is Cody Bellinger. Bellinger has 40 home run pop, and on that great Dodgers roster, he should easily get 100 runs and 100 RBIs, and somewhere around 10 to 15 stolen bases. My number three first baseman is Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo did have a down year in 2020. He batted 222 with a 342 on base percentage, 11 home runs, 26 runs, 24 RBIs. If you doubled that, he would be at 22 home runs and he would barely even hit 60 runs in RBIs, which is, it's, it's not good for a guy like Rizzo who's hit 89, 94 the year before. So uh, what happened with Rizzo? Let's talk about this. What happened with Rizzo in 2020? Well, he struck out 1% more than he did in 2019, so that's not the problem. His walk rate was only down by 0.1%, so he was still walking. Walking was not the problem. Rizzo's slugging percentage was down by nearly 100 points from 2019 to 2020. Uh, you know, you can't know for sure what was wrong with Rizzo. His line drive rate was in line. His ground ball rate was in line. His fly ball rate was a little up, but nothing out of his norm for his career. But his BABIP was down about 100 points. I would say about 80 points from his career average. I'm, I'm going to chalk up Rizzo's down 29, uh, 2020 to simply bad, bad at ball luck. Uh, his ISO was only down 30 points from last year, and it was up 5 points from 2018, which he had a great season then too. So keep an eye on Anthony Rizzo. I do have him ranked as my third overall first baseman, and I think you can get him around pick 100, but I'll get to the ADP data later. Next, I have Dominic Smith, and uh, Dominic Smith could easily go down to, to pick 13, uh, and that's not because his skills aren't there, but I'm a little worried about the at-bats. Uh, unfortunately, he does share time with Pete Alonzo and also J.D. Davis because that will be the DH for the Mets. Before I heard talks that DH might not come to the NL, I had Smith ranked as my number two first baseman. I think Smith really is that good. I think he has the potential to be a 280 hitter with 30, 35 home runs, 90 runs, 90 RBIs. Unfortunately, it's a good problem to have, of course. He might not get the at-bats. So keep your eye on Dominic Smith. The skills are there, but it's going to take an injury or a DH or a trade to open up some room for Dominic Smith. Guys you want to keep an eye on, the most likely trade I would say is J.D. Davis. If J.D. Davis gets shipped away, Smith's value definitely goes up, and he should be drafted within the top 80 to 70 picks. Next guy up is Max Muncie on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Muncie also had a down year in 2020. Even with the down year, Muncie still hit 12 home runs and 248 at-bats, which puts him about 25 to 30 home runs in a full season. His walk rate was the same. His strikeout rate was the same. It's a very similar situation to Anthony Rizzo. His BABIP was down about 80 points from his career average. That took his batting average down from 251 to 192 and took his on-base percentage from 374 to 331. The year before, Muncy had a 374 on base. The year before that, he had a 391 on base with a 263 average, 35 home runs, 75 runs, 79 RBIs. And in 2019, he had 101 runs and 98 RBIs. So I'm going to chalk up Muncy's season again to bad Babbitt luck. That's two guys already, Muncy and Anthony Rizzo, 
who can basically account for their poor 2020 to BABIP bad luck. Next up, I have Pete Alonzo. Now, Alonzo's 2020 wasn't exactly a down year. He actually kind of put it together towards the end. He ended up hitting 16 home runs, which in a 60-game season is pretty phenomenal. 31 runs, 35 RBIs. His strikeout and walk rate were just in line. His strikeout rate actually got lowered by a percentage. He did bat 231, and his on-base was only 326. His average there before was 260, and his on-base percentage was 358. Also, again, though, uh, his Babbitt was down 40 points from 280 to 242. I in no way think Pete Alonso is a 242 Babbitt guy. So, again, Alonso wasn't a guy I was really high on coming into 2020, but him having this poor 2020 makes me want to get him even more than I would have otherwise because hopefully his value adjusts accordingly. He was probably going somewhere around pick 60, maybe pick 50 going into 2020. So if I can get him maybe a little later, pick 70, I would not mind getting Pete Alonso as my primary first baseman. Of course, I'll say this. If you pick a first baseman before Pete Alonso, I don't think it's worth drafting again. First base is not the kind of position where you want multiple guys drafted within the first 100 rounds. I'm fine doing that with maybe shortstop, uh, of course, starting pitcher. But when it comes to first base, you're better off drafting a guy early and then waiting very late to get another one. Also, first base, they tend to be a lot of guys you can find on the waiver wire that could fill in at first base slash DH. So again, if you get a guy before Alonzo, you don't need to get Alonzo just because you want him that bad. That's when you need to structure your draft and make sure you know you can wait for him. Hosmer did in fact have a good 2020. I think it gets overlooked because he missed 12 games and a shortened season that really gets exaggerated. Even with the loss of games, he still managed to hit 9 home runs and he was on a 40 home run pace. Now, of course, you cannot extrapolate that to 40 home runs, but I don't think it's crazy to think that Hosmer now is a 30 home run guy. And with his good bat to ball skills, you should be able to get to a 270 average with 30 home runs and 80 to uh, 90 runs slash RBIs. Because he's on a good Padres team and because he plays every day, the counting stats are there for Hosmer. And I think he will be great value, but I'll get into that later when we pull up the ADP chart. Next guy I have up after Eric Hosmer is Ryan Mountcastle for the Baltimore Orioles. Next guy I have up after Eric Hosmer is Ryan Mountcastle. 2020 was his debut season for the Baltimore Orioles. He only played 35 games, 5 home runs, 12 runs, but 23 RBIs. His plate discipline is really not bad at all. 8% walk rate to a 21% strikeout rate. That led him to a 333 average with a 386 on base percentage. Now, the biggest knock on Mountcastle is his, his power is just not really there for a first baseman. At least it's not there yet. In his AAA season and the 550 games, he only had 25 home runs, which, if we're being honest, for a first baseman is really nothing too impressive. And his on-base percentage is only 344. He did have a 312 batting average, though. So I would say in a standard 5x5 Roto League, Mountcastle is a really good guy to target later in drafts as your first first baseman. I think the playing time should be there. Unfortunately, Chris Davis is still stuck in Baltimore. He's not He's not leaving yet. But Mountcastle is a guy I really want to draft this year. I really want to have my teams. I've never had him, and I think this is the year to definitely draft Mountcastle. After Mountcastle, I have Brandon Belt. I would call 2020 a career year for Brandon Belt. Unfortunately, Brandon Belt is still stuck in that San Francisco stadium with the huge right field. Brennan Belt did hit 9 home runs in 51 games last year, so a 30 home run season looks like it may be in the cards for him next year. And his amazing walk rate went up even more last year. He had an on-base percentage of 425, a career high, 
Of course, this was an assurance season, but Brendan Bell always had a high rating as a prospect, and I think he might have really hit his prime. His ISO was up 100 points in 2020 from 2019. I don't think Brennan Bell will be going too early in drafts, so he's definitely a guy you should keep your eye on. Next guy up is kind of similar to Brennan Bell, and that's Carlos Santana. Now, Carlos Santana is really a guy, I would say, you don't really want him as standard 5x5 unless you're getting him past pick 150. But if you're in an OBP league, he becomes a top 75 pick easily. His batting average can sometimes be sub 200, but his on base is always in the 340s. He has 25, 30 home run pop, and the thing he'll do for the most for you is get runs. So if you're looking at your roster so far and you think you're locking in runs, definitely take a look at Carlos Santana. Just be in mind, in a standard 5x5, you need to pair him with one or two guys that have a really good batting average. Maybe a Luis Arias or a Jose Altuve someone or Jeff McNeil, someone you can count on to hit plus 300 because that batting average will hurt you and batting average is still a category. Next up, I think this is maybe a little controversial. I have Jose Abreu ranked 11th on my rankings he's probably going somewhere around third at first baseman i am probably ranking him a little too low and i think with this ranking particularly this is more of me trying to counter his adp value because maybe he he maybe he is around you know uh eighth or ninth but i think i have to counteract his high adp by really showing you that you're taking a huge risk drafting him that early he is definitely not the third ranked first baseman and taking that early will definitely hurt your team of course, he had a career year, won MVP in 2020. His average is always going to be good. He's always going to get you 30 home runs. It's not so much that I don't think Abreu is good. I just think he's going way too early. And with a low walk rate, I think he's a guy who can really have a bad season quickly and go downhill quickly because of age. For that reason, I'm really kind of just out on Jose Abreu. After him, I have Reese Hoskins, who, like Carlos Santana, is going to hurt you in batting average and is definitely a better option on base percentage league. That being said, I think Hoskins has a 40 home run season in him, and he should be able to get you 80 runs and 90 RBIs. I am a little worried about that Phillies team, though. It seems like they're regressing. They did just hire Dave Dombrowski, and he's known to be trading prospects for great major league players. So keep that in mind. That roster could get boosted. Maybe Hoskins gets traded away, honestly. But I like Hoskins in Philly. I like him in that ballpark. I like his on-base ability. But like Carlos Santana, if you draft a guy like Hoskins on your team, you have to help supplement that with some batting average. After Hoskins, I have Paul Goldschmidt, who had an amazing year in 2020. I was just straight wrong about him in 2019. I was saying that his bat speed was going down. I was not a big fan of him in 2020, but he proved me wrong in 2020. And for that, he's ranked 13th. Now, I'll say this. If Paul Goldschmidt has another great year, I'll have to reassess that 13th and maybe move up to maybe 6 or 7. So, so Goldschmidt's a guy who... If you can get him for a good value, the reason I have him 13th is because I don't think he can get, can get him for a good value. He's probably going around pick 60. I'm not touching Paul Gloss around pick 60, but I'll get into the ADP in a little bit. We're getting there soon. Next up is Matt Olson. Matt Olson is not a guy I'm a fan of. Matt Olson really struggles to put the ball in play. He's a very risky profile. He's the kind of guy like Carlos Santana who you have to pair with a guy with good batting average. After that, I have Garrett Cooper. Now, I like Garrett Cooper a lot, and I think he should be in the bulk of that batch for the Miami Marlins coming up this year. Now, you might have thought I forgot about someone, Luke Voigt, 16th ranked first baseman for me. Now, Voigt did lead the league in home runs in 2020, but I've never seen a lead league on home runs only have a 333 on base percentage. That's Chris Davis-esque. I don't want a guy with a 333 on base percentage at first base. Uh, I don't care how many home runs he's hitting. Same reason I'm not the biggest Pete Alonso fan. 
I want to see a safer profile in a guy, especially a guy going in the top 100. Uh, if a guy has an on-base percentage going 333, he better be stealing me some bases. Home runs just aren't rare enough for me to risk home runs for that low on-base percentage and, and what could really be a low batting average if things don't work out. After that, I have Christian Walker, who I probably like more than Luke Voigt. Walker had a 280 average. He's, he's a 25-30 home run guy. He should be getting the most at-bats for, for the Diamondbacks since they traded Paul Goldschmidt. Walker is definitely a guy you want to target. After Walker, I have Joey Votto. Now, of course, Joey Votto in a standard 5x5, he's not nearly as valuable, valuable as he is in on-base percentage league. That power is lacking. I think the power is lacking so much for Joey Votto that in any 12-teamer, he's kind of becoming irrelevant. And Joey Votto is my 18th ranked first baseman. So we're getting to guys that in a standard 12-teamer really aren't relevant. You know, these are, these are guys who are going to be your utility or you're going to pick them off the waiver wire. Uh, my number 12 ranked was Reese Hoskins. 13th was Goldschmidt. So after that, these guys really aren't considered 12-team, you know, relevant. I don't think many guys want to carry more than one first baseman. That being said, Votto could fill in as your CI. It's just that power. If you're only going to get 15 home runs from the first base position, you're better off getting a guy that's going to get some steals in another position. It's just not too good of a profile for Votto when it comes to home runs and steals, which are categories you need to get. Unfortunately, Votto seems to be declining in his power and his batting average going with it. His on-base ability is still there, but when it comes to getting counting stats, you really can't count on him the way you used to. After Votto is Josh Bell from the Pirates, who I am not a huge fan of. I might even move Colin Moran above him. Bell was getting a lot of hype going into 2020. He had a great second half, of, a great first half of 2019, and he had a poor second half. And I was avoiding him like kryptonite going into 2020. And uh, he's one of the guys that, one of the few guys I can say I was right on. I said avoid Josh Bell, and he had a horrible season in 2020. I can't even make any recommendations about him. He's my 19th ranked first baseman. He could always bounce back, but unless you're getting him post pick 200 or post pick 150, now honestly, if you're not, if you're getting him post pick 200, I'm not taking the risk on him personally. If he's going anywhere above that, I think it's a little ridiculous. Next is Jared Walsh, uh, 20th ranked first baseman for me. Walsh is playing for the Angels, and he looks like he has some pop. The strikeout rate is very concerning, though. I don't think he's a guy you should draft at all on a 12-teamer, not even as your CI. There is too much risk in that profile. After that is Jamer Condolario, who had a great 2020, but I'm a little wary of him just because I'm not saying he's not going to repeat it, but from where you're going to draft him, he probably has to repeat it. I think he's getting a lot of boost in what was a shortened season, and he could have been lucky. Also, for that Tigers team, I'm not exactly sure how bats are going to shake up. But keep your eye on Candelario. Take a look at his, his Fangraphs page. I think there's a lot of upside in that bat. I think he might have just gotten a little lucky, though, in 2020. And I'm a little scared to pay a price that might not be repeatable. It could have been a career year scenario. After that is Colin Moran. 240 average, about a, a 330 on base. Not the best profile when it comes to that. But he should be getting you 25, 30 home runs if he gets the plate appearances. And that is a big if because you have Josh Bell there and now you have Kebron Hayes there. So unless they ship uh, Josh Bell out, Con Rant's kind of a no draft and a 12-teamer because he's just not going to get the at-bats. Next is Lumen Diaz on the Marlins. First base prospect for them. 24th, uh, 23rd ranked first baseman for me. I think the pop is there. The profile though, again, he's like a guy like Jared Walsh. I'm not interested in a guy like that on my team. Way too big of a risk. Another guy, Miguel Sano. Huge risk, 24th ranked first baseman for me. Not just a risk with a profile, but also the personality and off the field stuff. You risk having a guy that gets suspended for 80 games in Miguel Sano. 
And the Twins might be ready to move on from him, maybe trade him because they don't want to deal with that stuff anymore. Again, Sano is a guy with great pop. If you need the power late in your draft, grab Sano just like you should grab Luan Diaz. But you should try to design your team so that you have enough equally distributed power that you don't need to rely on a guy that's just going to bang home runs and do nothing else. Next is Austin Nola, pick 25. Austin Nola does register as a catcher, so he's a, he's a good value no matter where he's going, I personally think. Uh, he probably shouldn't be ranked at the first baseman. He is eligible. But keep an eye on Austin Nola, first base catch eligibility. You don't see that a lot, and that does help with catchers because that means he'll be getting more playing time than a regular catcher. G-Man Choi for the Rays. I try to avoid all Rays hitters because you don't know how the playing time is going to work out. It's very risky. The power is there for G-Man Choi, but I can't see him getting any more than 15 home runs in a season simply because he's not going to get the playing time. Next is Almedes Diaz and the Astros. I like the uh, the profile out, but there's not there's really no power there. Maybe 15 home runs, and that's in a full season. And he's not going to get all his plate appearances in a full season. And last is Bobby Dolback, uh, 28th first baseman for me. Don't know too much about him yet. Red Sox prospect. Power's there. Safer profile than Jared Walsh, I think. But again, these are guys, these last 5 or 10 guys or so, these are guys you really need to take a look at in 15-teamers for your CI position because it's going to be hard to fill out first base and CI, uh, That I think, harder than it's ever been. I think outfield, I'll get to that when I get to that position, Outfield is super easy to fill out. I think there's so many outfield options that you don't really have to even worry about outfielders. It probably requires the least amount of prep as long as you know the player pool. I'm going to now go back and discuss most of these guys again, but I'm going to discuss them compared to the ADP on Fantrax. If you go to FantraxHQ.com, you can find ADP data available. It's probably not too accurate yet. It's pretty early in the draft season still, but they have Freddie Freeman going at 13th, Jose Abreu going at 36th, Voigt going at 53. So right there, Abreu and Voigt, I'm not touching Abreu at 36. I'm not touching Voigt at 53. Really not at all. Abreu for me would have to slip to about 55 or 60. And Voigt personally would have to be post pick 100. And even then, Voigt's on my do not draft list. Pete Alonso is going right next to Voigt at 54. This could be my Mets bias, but I think Pete Alonso will definitely get more plate appearances than Luke Voigt. I think his batting average is safer. I think his and because he's going to get the play appearances, his runs and RBIs are way safer. Matt Olson going at pick seventy nine, again not a guy I'm too keen on getting. It's a lot of bad. Uh, it's a lot of power and no batting average. So Matt Olson seventy nine is not bad value though. I don't want to say Matt Matt Olson's bad value, because look at that. I think Void and Olson are pretty similar profiles. Void did have a better batting average this year, but I think that's a little fluky. You can get Olson forty picks later, thirty picks later. That's not bad at all. Goldschmidt too at ninety one. Way better value than I expected. I don't know why anyone would take Voigt or or Olsen over Paul Goldschmidt with the year he had in 2020. Maybe people like me are a little scared of the 2019 he had, but I love Paul Goldschmidt at pick 91 overall. Max Muncy, two pick 101. This is where I'm a little skeptical of the ADP data. I can't see Max Muncy going that late. I can't see him going after all these guys. Max Muncy has triple eligibility at first, second, and third. If he's going at 101, I'm getting that every day. Anthony Rizzo at 104 probably shocked me the most. Uh, I expect Anthony Rizzo to be a top 50 player. He's been a mainstay in fantasy baseball with that safe profile. Maybe people are right that the Cubs are kind of falling apart a little bit. But Anthony Rizzo at 104, this to me is showing that I don't need to get Freeman early. And I can wait until round 6 or 7 to get my first baseman. And I'm comfortable doing that because I like these guys going later. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting options in these guys going later. So Rizzo at 104, keep that in mind. Smith at 105. 
Now, I get this about Dom Smith, especially with the concern about playing time. If he only gets 400 at-bats, how much can he really do? I get that. I don't think I don't have any qualms about Smith's value here at 105. Will Myers at 107. I didn't get to him because I have him considered as an outfielder. I think 107 is fair for Will Myers. Me personally, I don't want to pay for his career year, but I don't think 107 is too bad. I don't know how many bases he'll steal, and he's not the safest profile. The power is there, but he has a big swing, a really big swing. And if Hoskins is going 60 picks later, I'd rather just take Hoskins. Hosmer at 146, Will Myers' teammate. Hosmer will have a better batting average. He'll get more runs and more RBIs than Will Myers. I'll guarantee that. The only thing Myers might get more of is home runs and steals. And even then, Hosmer gets a couple steals. Nothing crazy, but he'll get six or seven, which is pretty good from the first base spot. So Hosmer at 146, I love that. If you remember, Hosmer's going about pick 213 last year at 240, somewhere in that range. I know that's a big range, but once you get past pick 200, it gets pretty a lot of variance. So Hosmer was one of the good calls I made because I said Hosmer would go up a lot in draft value. Uh, that Then again, you know, it was a short season. We could be overreacting that 2020. I think the reason Hosmer goes up so much, though, is because he talked about buying into the fly ball revolution. He's a guy with good bats of ball that bought into hitting the ball in the air. So I think Hosmer at 146 actually is good value. I would take Hosmer around pick 100 if I didn't have a first baseman yet. You know, first baseman isn't that deep. All these positions that aren't afterthers aren't that deep. So these guys can fluctuate about 30 picks, which is it's just two rounds. It all depends on what a guy needs in his position, and you want to lock up that position. If you don't like anyone after Hosmer, then yeah, you need to reach for that pick. You know, if, if you if you're at pick 80 and you want to get Rizzo, you have to keep in mind: do I do I stretch and pick Rizzo or Muncie, or do I have to wait another three rounds and get that other tier in uh, Hosmer, Myers, Hoskins? Hoskins going 161. I like that a lot. If Hoskins is going 161 on draft day, I'll be getting a lot of Hoskins. Uh, that is for 40 home run potential. That is good value. I know plenty of batting average guys I can do to supplement that batting average. Josh Bell at 167. Like I said, I'm not touching Josh Bell po- unless he's post pick 200. So for me, that's a no go. That's no value right there for Josh Bell. That's basically he's going accordingly where he should be going. There's nothing really to write home about. But Mountain Castle at 172. I think that's the guy I'm zoned in on. Uh, Mountcastle and Hosmer and Rizzo are the three guys I'm really zoned in on. And maybe Muncie, but I would say more so Mountcastle and Rizzo because they're going a little later. Uh, 172 for a guy who has a pretty safe profile. Not the most power, but he's going to help you in batting average. He's going to help you in runs RBIs. He's going to be about average in home runs. I get that. But at 172, you can really build your team. You know, you, you can build your team around a guy around a guy you can wait for at 172, which means you don't have to take a pick early on a first baseman, which means you can build your pitching, your other positions. You don't have to worry about it. Mountcastle is definitely a guy to keep in mind. 185 is Miguel Sano. I get that at 185. I think he should be going right around Hoskins. If anything, Hoskins might should be here back with him or he should be up with Hoskins. I think there's similar profiles. Then again, Hoskins does have a better walk rate. But in a standard 5x5, five five, you're not getting paid for that walk rate. So... So no, no qualms about that. I think 185 is pretty good for him. Christian Walker, though, at 200. Maybe there's some concerns about the plate appearances, but I think Walker at 200 is insanely good value. Insanely good value. The average was great last year. The power is great. Carlos Santana, though, at 231. I'm just stunned by it. He's been around pick 130 most years, and he had it. still had a His average was low last year, but his on-base was still great. You know, I keep saying that on-base, and I know some people might be saying, well, you know, the, the batting average still hurts. And I'm one of the first people that says that, that we all kind of discount batting average. But 
the reason I don't worry about about Carl Santana's batting average compared to other guys is because he walks more than he strikes out. I'm not scared that Santana's going to fall off a cliff where he's going to return horrible value for me. I know he's going to get those counting stats every single year as long as his plate discipline stays good. And if it, and last year's indication, it's still great. It's still amazing. So Santana at 231 is insane value. He's really only hurting you in batting average. He's helping you in every other category besides stolen bases. So I know that's only three categories, but that's three counting stat categories that really matter a lot. And if you can supplement the stolen bases and the batting average with a guy, you know, maybe maybe uh, Carlos Santana is a good guy to get if you have Bichette on your team, or obviously a guy like Trey Turner. I mean, stolen base is a, is a hard position to get at first base, so it's really not even really worth discussing. None of these guys are going to be at first base. But it's, it's, it's easy to find guys late in draft that are empty batting average. Maybe a Nick Madrigal. Jared Walsh at 234. Again, I think this is fair for Jared Walsh. Uh, maybe it's great value for Jared Walsh. He could return a lot more than that. He could be a top 150. That plate uh, that plate profile, though, is very, very concerning. I'm worried about it. I avoid guys with 25 30% strikeout rates. He might have had a 35% strikeout rate. So definitely avoiding Jared Walsh. Andrew Vaughn, I think he's for the White Sox, I believe, should be getting called up sometime next year. Maybe starts the season with them. That's not an, that's not impossible because they're in win now. 263. I didn't have my rankings because I was a little unsure whether he was starting the season there or not. And he might be a DH. I don't know how they're going to take do that with eligibility. But he should be first base DH. He might lose that first base after the first year with Jose Abreu blocking him. So it's not it's not guaranteed. You know, he does have Abreu there. They do have a lot of young players there. They might wait for Vaughn a little bit. But he should get some at-bats this year. Just He's not going to get more than 400. He's not going to be your primary first baseman. He's going to be a CI or late acquisition. In a draft and hold, he's definitely a guy you're going to want to target. Next guy that I have listed in my rankings is Brennan Belt at 318. Uh, I can't explain Brennan Belt at 318. That seems pretty insane for how great of a year he had. I think there's really no excuse for that. So again... This just shows one more reason why you don't really have to worry about extending yourself for a first baseman. There's plenty of options late in drafts that you can grab. So I think this year more than ever, I don't think first base is a... I don't think there's a lot of great options at first base, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions and misperceptions at first base where you skip basically from 5 to 20 and Brandon Belt right now is the 23rd first baseman according to ADP. He could easily be the 10th first baseman. So after you get out of that first five, I would kind of just avoid all of them and wait until Brandon Belt or Garrett Cooper. Brandon Belt's going to be getting at bats next year. He's going to be the Giants everyday first baseman. So I don't really get how he's going that late at 318. After that, I have Garrett Cooper at 320. Now, I'm not surprised by Garrett Cooper going this late. But I think he should begin the bulk of at-bats in the Marlins. I think he'll get 500-plus plate appearances. I'm not sure if they non-tendered Jose uh, Jesus Aguilar. Garrett Cooper last year in 34 games, 6 home runs, 20 runs, 20 RBIs. That puts him at about a 25 home run pace and about 75 to 80 runs in RBIs. Walk rate's high at 8.3. K rate's 23%. 283 average and 353 on base. I love that batting average. I think Garrett Cooper is probably the best value, the best value period for first baseman in 2021 because the average is there, the power is there. He's not going to hurt you in any category except for stone bases, which your first baseman is nothing. So keep that name in mind, Garrett Cooper. I like that a lot for the Miami Marlins. Next is Joey Votto at 333. 
Again, I, I really can't argue with this. He's only really relevant in 15 teamers. He's not going to be your CI or first baseman. But I'll tell you this, it's hard to sleep on a guy like that. And I'll definitely take a late round flyer on Joey Votto. I think this year it's important to, to really wait uh, to draft, I would say, four or five bats for your last four or, f- you know, four or five picks. I'm not going to really want to draft any pitchers that late. There's a lot of good bats that you can fill positions on late. Con ran at 383. Again, I can't really complain about that. He is probably not going to get too many at-bats if Josh Bell stays there. There's rumors Josh Bell will be traded. But Moran at 383 is not bad at all. I, I don't have any issues with that. It's pretty fair. Luis and Diaz next at 481. Uh, I, I get that price completely because those at-bats for the Marlins aren't guaranteed. Like I said, he has Garrett Cooper to comp- uh, compete against. Jesus Aguilar might still be there. I'm not sure. I think he actually got not tendered. So uh, Luis Diaz is really not a safe option. He's probably a guy that you, again, only draft in a 15 or deeper, maybe only a draft and hold. And that's a that's a risk option. There's really not a lot of safety in a guy like Lewin Diaz. And that'll end the episode for today, guys. First base is over. Uh, next time, I'll be talking about second base. I hope you guys enjoyed the video. You can find us on Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. Leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And have a good one.